knee and legs. I should say all, but the majority of it went to the body and legs and voided it. Payoff over near versus Bates. Glory for kickboxing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was Bates. It was a fight ends on a fight ends on a TKL. Um, Bates was doing really good in the beginning, circling, sticking, and moving. But you know, once once Overmere started finding his rhythm and applying pressure. It all went down downhill from there. Hit him with a nice left hook to the bottom, dropped him, jumped on him, got him in the corner, dropped him again with another couple, dropped him again. And then the third knockdown, he, it was just, I mean, it, it was it was pretty much, Bates was just a laying inevitable at that point. Third knockdown, fight gets stopped. Hell of a hell of a contest. I mean, dude, Overmere is good. It seemed like in that first round, closing the distance was an issue, but once you got inside, you knew it was your fight. Yeah, he's a, he has long, long arms, long legs, so it was a bit difficult. But yeah, in the second round, I I get my finish, and uh, I'm happy with the performance. All right. Well, the benefit is we get to look at some of that action now, and you can talk me through it. The way you lunged in for that body shot, you must have known it was open. Yeah, my, I heard my trainer look up. Punch down. And look, <laughs> very nice. There you go. Everybody enjoyed it. But then you just put the pressure on. Obviously logical to go for the knees. Sorry, one more time. It was logical for you to go for the knees when he was hurt and shelled up like that. Yeah, I think I hit him with one knee to the head and then to the body. And yes, it was okay. It was okay. All right. Well, you came in number two here. Let's talk about the division. Where do we go from here, Mr. Matrix? Roby. Where's Roby? Give me that title shot. All right. Jay Overmere calling for the champ. Calling out Robbie, who is our matchmaker supreme. There he is. The newly bald-headed Robbie Timmers, by the way. Mr. Clean himself. Congratulations to Jay Overmere. Maybe he does get a title shot next. We shall see. Still to come tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is our main event of the evening. And it is for the lightweight championship of the world. Tazani Bestati defends for the fourth time against a man coming up in weight. One of the best pound-for-pound fighters Glory has ever seen. Petch Panarong. Can he make history tonight? That's still to come. But up next... The tank is back, fighting out of Morocco. Let's see what this big fella has in store for a short notice replacement in Daniel Toledo, fighting out of Spain. So light heavyweights when we return. I'm not done with the, the heavyweight. I am uh, go to light heavyweight now to take the belt, and uh, then I go back to the heavyweight one. On, uh, I take uh, a knock uh, plasibat out. Ik voel me wel veel sneller, explosiever, uh, krachtiger eigenlijk. Uh, ja, eigenlijk uh, de licht zwaargewicht. Ik heb het nooit geprobeerd. Het is voor mij ook de eerste keer. Ik haal alleen maar voordelen eruit. Ik merk het ook met lopen, met uh, conditie. Conditie is een stuk beter. Ik dacht natuurlijk uh, 10 of 12 kilo van vest die, die eruit is. Dus ik voel me goed in het lichtzwaargewicht. Ik weet uh, dat ik de stoten kan ontvangen van de zwaargewichten. Het is niet een kleine onderschatting, maar ik weet wel dat ik, uh, dat ik eigenlijk de, de betere vechter moet zijn. Deze tank heeft helaas geen, uh, geen noodrem. 
Dus het is wel nog steeds de tank, alleen ja, uh, alleen wat slimmer worden. En uh, ik weet wel dat ik in het zwaar, licht zwaargewicht dat ik wel een fout kan maken en dat ik een stoot kan ontvangen en in het zwaargewicht niet. Dus uh, ik probeer, ik neem juist meer risico nu in de licht zwaargewicht dan in het zwaargewicht. Your co-main event of the evening takes us back to Glory's light heavyweight division in about scheduled for three three-minute rounds. This Spaniard steps into the deep waters of the Glory division to make his debut. Here is Daniel Toledo. Daniel Toledo. Don't say Toledo, Joe, which is a city in Ohio in the United States. Daniel Toledo fights out of Malaga, Spain, making his glory debut, stepping in on late notice, and congratulations, you get to fight the tank. Yeah, he's on one week notice, but he said he took it with zero hesitation. He's got 25 MMA fights, he's got about 23 kickboxing fights, so he's a combat sports experience, so he's comfortable in here. He battled for the vacant light heavyweight belt of collision for last year. Please welcome Tariq Kabani. Ranked number three in the light heavyweight division. He's only had one bout, show, and he lost to Sergey Maslaboyev on a split decision. Yeah, his first fight in light heavyweight division was for the title. Lost that split, but I'm sure he gained a lot of confidence getting to this wave. Now he feels he's going to be faster, more explosive, more technical. And just his style in general, one of the, the most fan-friendly to watch with his speed, his combination, his aggression. And for such a small guy to be fighting heavyweights was insane. So now he's a little bit more evenly sized in this light heavyweight division. And you talk about Murderer's Row. He fought Sergey Maslavoya for the title. His other fights in glory, twice against Antonio Plazabat and once against Rico Verhoeven. Good, good luck. <laughs> Unibet presents our tale of the tape. For this, the co-main event of the evening. Toledo, 37 years old. He's two inches taller. We'll have a two-inch reach advantage over the heavily favored Tariq Kababes. Professional experience. Big edge going to the tank with 58 fights to 22 for Toledo. And look at the tank. 58 fights, 57% KO ratio, where the 47 KO ratio for Toledo. All right, now my keys to glory for this fight. For Kababes, forward pressure, what he's known for. Get on the inside, get to the body, go back to the head, and mix in those low kicks, what I call that Mike Tyson style with low kicks. Toledo, he's got to use movement versus that forward pressure. He's got to use timing. He's got good knees. And at the end of the day, he's got nothing to lose. Taking this fight on one week's notice against number three in the world, he's got, he's got to go in and do his best. Your co-main event of the evening, once again scheduled for three three-minute rounds in the light heavyweight division. Introducing first, standing on my right and fighting out of the black corner. His mixed martial arts skills have taken him throughout the European circuit. He'll make his debut in the glory ring tonight here in Rotterdam. 
As a professional, 17 wins with five losses. Eight of those wins coming by way of knockout. At six feet, two inches tall, 1.91 meters, he weighed in at an even 209 pounds, 95 kilograms. He's here tonight, fighting out of Malaga, Spain. And ladies and gentlemen, introducing Daniel Chacare Toledo. Now his opponent standing on my left and fighting out of the white corner. This Moroccan tough man faced the division's top names in his appearances inside the glory ring. His professional career impressive. 47 wins, 10 losses, 1 draw, and 26 career knockouts. He stands 6 feet even, 1.84 meters, and he weighed in at 207.9 pounds, 94.3 kilos. Fighting out of Morocco and ranked number three in the Glory World Rankings. Here is Tariq the Tank Kabab. The referee in charge of this bout, Tomislav Novosel. Gentlemen, please, you know the rules. Follow my command. Good luck. Step back in your corner. So Tomislav Novosel gets us started. It's Tariq Kababez taking on Daniel Toledo. And I'm t <laughs> I don't know much about Toledo. I know you don't either, but he looks like one tough customer. Jeez. Yeah. A little uh, bit like Cain Velasquez with a tattoo. Yeah. Super friendly, though. That's yeah. for sure. We, he looks mean, but is he as mean and nasty as Tariq Kababez can be in the ring? We're about to find out. Oh, nice fake to low kick to start this off. As an MMA fighter, he says his movement could help him out. He's got a good jab, low kick as well. Boy, Kababez throwing a bomb already. You know, he's heavily favored here, Joe. Is there a lot of pressure for him to get this guy out quick? Well, I think so. I think... When you look, talk about Kababas, he'll fight anyone, anytime, yeah. as we talked about. He had, like, this is the third opponent that backed out. At this Where point, he just wants to fight. He didn't care who's in his way. Doesn't matter. I love the story about how he... We asked about how... Oh, there's that right hand connects. That buckled Toledo, who's still not quite right. Ooh. Angled out very well in that corner. Ask him what his family thought about him losing all that weight. He said his mom hated it when she saw him the first time. She goes, where's the rest of you? <laughs> oh, good combination. Back to the low kick for the tank. Yeah, Toledo's got to get those hands up. Yeah, he's got to be careful. Tank's not a head kicker, but with your head that low, it could be a knee or a body kick. Yeah, he's doing a lot of that, Joe. Again, right on the ear. Yeah, big wide overhand. Toledo needs to get back to that jab. And he keeps dipping his head to his right. So this is where the tank's got to throw some left hooks or left kicks. Do you like those Toledo low kicks, though? Got to slow the tank down somehow. Big step in. Daniel Toledo fighting out of Barnett Academy in Spain. Ooh, tank trying to take an angle there. 
I'm Kababa here, he's got to start chopping the legs a little bit more. It still bewilders me as to why Toledo does not keep his hands up high. Yeah, it could be from the MMA and the boxing style. It's more of a boxing style head movement defense. But it's a little too low for the kickboxing. Let's see if he pays a price for it. Yeah. He, he likes to lean back against those ropes like he's Roy Jones. But this is where Tank kicks the leg. Right? The head is moving, but the legs are stationary. connected, then a body shot as Tariq falls down. I think he could have followed up on that body shot. Ooh. Oh, and he caught it with a left hook right at the bell. Jeez. Not bad for Toledo. He definitely a better round for Kababes, nicknamed the Tank. I like to throw like Mike Tyson. You see that with his hands. But I like when he's Mike Tyson with low kicks. That's the kickboxing style. Daniel Toledo, Jacques Ray. His signature strike is the flying knee. I didn't see any of that. I just saw a lot of punches and low kicks. And he does train with former UFC fighter Luke Barnett. A lot of good forward pressure from the tank getting on the inside using those big overhands, but Toledo did a good job using his jab, his low kicks, trying to get out of those corners, but the moments he was stuck against the rope letting the tank throw those punches, just some very scary moments for him. He's got to clean those moments up. All right, round two is scheduled for three. Good opening round for Toledo based on everything he had going against him. And one judge gave him round one. Yep, it's definitely Tank's round. But I think we're more just on one week notice. We're impressed how Toledo did that first round. Back to that jab and that head movement. And he got caught with a left hook again. What did I say? He dips his head to the right. It's that left hook. Hands down, head down. Not good strategy. For Toledo. Yeah. Bobez, overhand right, left hooks. Now to the body, mixing the uppercut. Nice body work from the tank. Two minutes to go here in round two. Tariq Ababez trying to win a glory fight for the first time since he won his debut in a four-man tournament. Ooh, there we go. This is where he lights him up. Yep, see, there's the low kick behind the punches. Toledo's punches are very wide with no defense now. The tank could catch him here. Nice jab. Boy, the tank is headhunting. He is headhunting. Oh, big knee! Big knee from the tank. Toledo is going to fight him back. He's going to swing right back, though. All credit to Daniel Toledo, who could have easily have been gone by now. Yeah, the tank now picking his shots a little bit more. Finding success with the knees and the kicks. And now the body shots to set up the head shots. Good left there for Toledo, but it's, it seems like he's living on borrowed time with his strategy. Even the tank trying to take... Oh, oh. big right hand. How did he eat that? What goal? 
from this Spaniard. Oh, my word. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, this guy's supposed to get in here, lose, and get the hell out. Yeah, and no. look at him. No, look at him go. He's eating these shots and then just somehow fires back. Oh, man. Oh, man. Not even with his hands up. He's, he's blocking these punches with his face. Oh! Big left, left again! his head, the tank found that. How about Daniel Toledo? I want this guy's autograph. They throw in the towel to save him. The tank is back with a huge performance here in Netherlands. The tank, Ben, just nasty. This is why he's a fan favorite. The way he comes forward, the way he throws his relentless punches. And then that knee, then the head kick. Yeah, Cabez versus Toledo. I mean, Cabez just walked him down and just beat him down and started hitting him with a nasty left hook that just he kept catching him every time. Toledo would go in and dip his head and come back up and then just had him press up against the ropes slash corner and just bombed on him and as he dipped his head, caught him with a nasty head kick that sent him out flying outside the ring. He gets back. They're about to restart the fight. The corner, the corner throws him the towel, and that's all she wrote. I mean, damn, Cabez is a monster. I, I give Toledo credit, man, for being an MMA fighter and taking those shots because most fighters would have just they would have waved the white flag. here finding the overhand right just a lot of good pressure from him we've seen daniel toledo trying to use his jab fight back just always finding his way to counter back eat one to give one but as the second round came the tank just started gaining momentum coming forward finding uppercuts the low kicks and you see that head moving to toledo which made him eat this knee but you see how he kept coming back all credit to toledo for making this a great fight but at this point now, he couldn't even stand up straight. And then, boom, the tank with that head kick sends him out of the ring. What a finish. Corner throws in the towel, and we don't see that very often. Well, I think they saw the writing on the wall, as we all did. Tariq Kababez gets that knockout that he wanted so badly, landing 75% of his punches. That's incredible for a total landed of 75% of his strikes, 82 of 109. Ladies and gentlemen, you watched it as it happened. 
The black corner throws in the towel with an official time of two minutes, 48 seconds of the second round. We have a winner by technical knockout, Tariq Let's hear from our winner, Tariq Kababes. Before we start, let's hear a round for Daniel Toledo taking it on one week notice and putting on a great fight. All right, Tariq, what a performance. First round, maybe a little bit awkward, but that second round, you did fantastic. I try to speak English. Maybe this is not so good. But uh, the first round, I was a little bit emotion. But the second round, my coach said in me to tell me, from Tarek, focus, stay, stay strong, and uh, the cow come in for uh, for herself. Uh, but now, what I will I want to say, Donna Jane, I love you. You are my brother. But I want the Tito. We want to win this fight. Hey! Donna Jane, gave me the Tito, man. I'm coming for you. Hush. All right, let's hear it for your winner, Tariq the Tank Kababes. So Tariq Kababes, going ahead and calling out the champ. Why not? And what an electrifying night it was for him and his supporters. He laid it all on the line. It was nice of you to call attention to the performance that Daniel Toledo gave. And even Tariq watched around, walked around the ring with his hand in the air. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's our main event, and it's coming up next. Alongside Joseph Baltolini, let's inhale and exhale as we get set for our main event. And what a fight this should be as Petch Panamarung challenges to Johnny Bestati for his lightweight title. Yeah, I mean, once I heard this matchup was set, I couldn't even believe it. I had to double check, basically message Robbie and make sure this was right because this height difference, the size difference, is what makes this fight so intriguing. We have a master of distance in both gentlemen where Tajani can keep it where Petch could be all in or all out. So from a technical standpoint, this is one of the most exciting fights in glory. And from a historical standpoint, this is one of the most important fights in glory, especially for Petch as he attempts to join these two men as the double division champion. Yeah, just legends of the sport. Robin Van Roosmallen had the featherweight and the lightweight, so Petch is trying to do what Van Roosmallen done. We just know how, in the recent years, how Alex Pereira was able to dominate that middleweight and light heavyweight division. So, Vistati, 13-3, three title defenses. This will be his fourth. Petch has really looked untouchable. You mentioned earlier you haven't really even seen him in any sort of trouble. No, I mean, even when he is, like, he might eat one, but then he closes it in. He moves. He finds his way. I mean, I've never seen him in that position. So, I think that's why when people ask me, give me a prediction, it's that hard for me. You keep asking me all day. You're driving me nuts with it because I really can't pick because to Johnny so long, the, the, the way he has to close distance, I can't see it happening, but he's a master, so we're going to have to find out. If you had to pick someone. See, now if he's going to get Or you get fired from glory. If you had to pick oh, someone, you're, you're fired from glory. Now. Bill Borson, if he gets fired, if he doesn't <laughs> okay. answer this. 
I think okay. I think maybe Tajani's punches and length are going to be the difference. Yes, I, but what I, do I know? No, I, that's a fair point. But when you watch Petch and you see the way he closes, all in or all out, we've seen him fight tall guys. We've seen even other good Thai fighters like Sinichai here in glory just beat tall fighters with that distance. So I think 210 fight experience could be enough to get inside. I still don't know who you think is going to win. Either way, see? who cares what we think? Let's see what really happens. Our main event starts now. เอ่อเป็นไฟนิกอร์เต็มๆครับเพราะเอสตาตี้เป็นมวยที่เก่งแล้วก็สูงออกอาวุธเร็วและรุนแรงครับก็เป็นไฟที่ที่หนักใจพ
Destined for greatness, this young champion put the division on notice, winning his first five glory fights. Here is Tejani Bestati. Here comes the youngest fighter ever to be signed for glory. Made his debut at 18 years old, and now he has grown into his body and into his job. He's 25 years old and was one of the best fighters in the world today. Yeah, we've been commentating fights now for almost seven years, and we've seen Tajani grow from that 18-year-old to a, a grown man here. He talked about being champion back in those days. He's living the dream. He's living his moment, and here he's walking out to probably the biggest fight of his career so far. On paper, you would think he's the favorite because he's so much bigger, but according to the odds makers in Unibet, this thing is 50-50. It's a pick -em. Johnny just continually getting better. The way he boxes, the way he speaks on the mic, he's really becoming a superstar here in Holland. There is a man that's won titles in two divisions. Johnny will try and stop history from being made tonight. Yeah, I talked to Van Roosmalen before. He's giving Hetch a little bit. I think, oh, he's giving Johnny the edge. It was Remy Bonyaski who's giving an edge to Hetch. It is now time for our tale of the tape for the main event of the evening. Champ versus champ. It's brought to you by Unibet. Bet's Toddy, six foot two, ladies and gentlemen, seven inches taller than Patch, and he will also enjoy a five inch reach advantage. With professional experience, this is one of my favorite fights to talk about because 210 fights for Petch versus 27 of Tajani. We know Tajani's got good finishing power in his hands with 35% KO ratio. So it's Morocco by way of Holland against Thailand Muay Thai. Here are the championship rules. Five rounds, three minutes each. Punches, kicks, and knees are legal. Three knockdowns in a round or four in the fight, and it's a TKO. Now, Mike, he's the boy for this championship fight. For the champ, Tajani Bestadi, he's got to use that height and reach, use his jab, use his straight punches, and he's got to put him in combination. Singles ain't enough. He's got to use his movement and angles to avoid Petch from coming in. From Petch, he's that master of distance control, all in or all out, and he's got one of the best left self-paw kicks you'll see, but he's got to go to the leg with them and mix in body shot. The head is a high target. Once you hit the body, the head will fall. This is your main event of the evening. Champ versus champ for the lightweight championship of the world. A featherweight king looking to become only the third person to hold the belt in two glory divisions. And a lightweight champion here to defend his turf and send the challenger packing back to the featherweight world. This bout sanctioned by Vaughn and Alex Engelhart is with us ringside. Your referee for this championship bout, Edward Stryker. From Rotterdam to Rochester, kickboxing fans are tuned in and national champion. And he comes in on a 10-fight winning streak dating back to 2017. 
His professional record truly impressive. 169 wins, 38 losses, 3 draws, and 27 career knockouts. He stands 5 feet 7 inches tall, 1.71 meters. He weighed in at 152.7 pounds, 69.3 kilos. Fighting out of the Buriram province of Thailand, he is the reigning featherweight champion of the world. He is Pet Padaroom, the professor, Chad Muka. His opponent fighting out of the white corner. Winner seven of his last eight, making his third defense of the belt. His professional record, 23 wins, four losses. Eight of those wins coming by way of knockout. He stands six feet, two inches tall, 1.90 meters. And he weighed in at 153.2 pounds, 69.5 kilograms. He fights tonight for Morocco. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the reigning and defending lightweight champion of the world. He is the wonder boy, Tejani Bestadi. Once again, your referee in charge of this championship bout is Edward Stryker. Okay, guys, listen. Five rounds of three minutes. Yeah, there is no standing eight count. You know the rules? Yeah, protect yourself at all times. Yeah. Touch love. Well, Judge. this is it. Patrick Panamarong, who's small Judge. for featherweights, is moving up to lightweight Fight. to challenge the division king. Here we go, five rounds for the lightweight championship. Man, I'm so intrigued by this fight. As Pedge finally met his a challenge for him. Boy, that, that kick landed right on the ribcage. Stadi took it well. Stadi returns with one. Go one for one. Well, this might look a lot like a Raps hook for Tajani Bestani. That's Johnny's quick, especially with his boxing. There's good knees from him as well. Break, step back. Play. Johnny's got very fast hands. Yeah, this first round is going to tell us a lot. I feel Petch will maybe have an advantage as the fight goes on. Can he try to Break. wear Tajani down? You can see how, how Tajani respects the left kick. Almost fell over himself trying to block it. Now you can see Petch put on a little bit of weight for this fight, too. And you don't want to put on too much. A lot of it's fat, but Petch's legs are looking a little bit more Ready. solid and thicker. Guys working in the clinch. Fight! Tajani has to keep Petch outside. trying to get that rear straight to the body. Good strategy. Well, we knew it might get sloppy. Look with the inside. Fight! You heard Petch at the pre-fight interview say, listen, I can head kick him. I'm at the jump to do it, but I can get up there. Yeah, he'll do it. He's got those flying head kicks. Break. One of those 
decorated stand-up fighters in the world today. Fetch Panamarunk. Flying his trade as a lightweight for the first time. Yeah, you can see already, though, Tajani using some experience, circling outside to take power away from the kicks. Shut up. Tajani having no problem getting that knee up to Petch's head. If you're, if you're Bastani, you got to be feeling pretty good right now, don't you? He's kind of staying there. He's sharp. He's landing some good knees on the inside. He's not allowing Petch to kind of close the distance too much. He's using what's called more of an open clinch with bicep control. Oh, Bastani landing oh, punches, trimming the knees as well. Good opening round here for the champ. Yeah, very good round for him. Staying patient. Knows it's five rounds. He's really developing into a champ, controlling his pace. Tajani Bestati, the wonder boy from Morocco, but now lives and trains in Holland. Works at a prison training young adults. He's such a great person. Someone that uh, would be a great role model for kids here in this country. Pench getting some last-minute round instructions from Adrian Sheed. Yeah, Adrian Sheed, the, the head trainer, and he's opening a brand-new gym in Vancouver alongside Pench. It's called the Boy Thai Academy. Vancouver's first ever authentic Muay Thai gym. So good luck to both of those guys. Their opening date, March 17th. You gonna pay them a visit there in Canada, Joe? Yeah, we're gonna have another Canadian to the list. I like it. <laughs> we can change nationalities. That's it, automatic. He's Canadian now. If he lives there, he's our champ. There you go. All five giving the opening round to Vistani. Not really a surprise there. So what's Patch have to change here in the second round? Well, I think he's going to have to kind of kick and move backwards, trying to establish distance, because he keeps crashing the distance. I think Tajani's knees are, are better than they expected. So I don't think the advantage right now is in the mid-range. He almost has to... He's got to be in and out a little bit more, maybe put combinations together, kicks behind those punches. Watch out. <laughs> That was almost like a hello kick. Hello. Because yeah, right now, Petch is either just a kick or box into the clinch. So if he could box to the kick, maybe set it up a little bit better. Like that. Ooh. Yeah, Bastani is making Petch have to box more, something that isn't his main forte. To Johnny's left hook just comes so fast and it's landing very well. I'm just always impressed by Tajani's boxing speed. He's patient, he's relaxed, and then poop, poop, poop. Petch Panmarung grew up extremely poor in Thailand. His parents were and still are farmers. But Petch was able to buy him a house there in Thailand, one of the great proud moments of his life, he told us. Some of these Tajani's punches are getting close. I mean, you're getting that smirk from Petch, which means they're landing. Johnny just being a sniper on the outside. Yeah, he's, he's pretty much neutralized Petch's aggression, hasn't he? Yeah, just staying patient, touching, looking to counter. Yeah, just like that. Boom. And the best way to deal with a good left kick is to make sure you counter it, block counters, circle away, just like he did there. Body kick finally landed for Petch. 
Yeah, we've never had to see Petch really have to change strategy, make any adjustments in fights. He's been that dominant. Tonight, though, not one of those nights, at least thus far. He's really impressed with Johnny's composure. <laughs> the little guy sent the big guy down for a minute. Yeah, front kicks are good off balancing strikes. Knockdown has to be a damaging strike. Step back. You can't just be an off-balancing one or a sweep. Unlike boxing, if you get punched, you go down, you're down. It's Toddy buying his time, slowly encroaching on Petch. Yep, calculated pressure, but that's a sweep. I think Petch is just trying to find something to get to Johnny off his game. And it's one way to stop the knees in the middle is to use those sweeps, and that's what he's trying to do. See, he's trying to off-balance him while he needs to take away some of that power. Break! Watch out, Ted. Watch out. Okay. Yeah, Petch did not like that. Collision 5 coming your way June 17th. That handsome man on the right of your screen is Antonio Plazabot. Got to spend some time with him last night. And yes, he is really, really crazy, Joe, is he not? Yeah, he's he's insane to me. His aggression, the way he comes forward, and how funny he is on the mic, too. He's really getting into his, uh, his ways. He gets a crack at the interim heavyweight title. That's a Collision 5. Getting set for round 3 here in glory. Round three. Let's see if any of the judges have given Petch a round. The answer is no. One-way traffic thus far, Joe. What can Petch do here to change things up? Well, he's not. He's still doing one kick, single kick. He's got to really start maybe mixing in head kicks, try to catch Tijani, but just the single body kick isn't enough because right now Tijani's blocking all of those kicks. He's countering very well, being sharp with that left hook. And now ripping the body. I'm telling you, Tijani's becoming a real good, patient champion, picking his shots. Let's be honest, he's beating Petch up here a little bit. Yeah, he's picking him apart. I mean, Petch is usually aggressive coming forward, but he's definitely feeling this size. Look at the accuracy from Bistotti. You talk about picking your shots. Just he's doing the right things, like even the way he might not even notice, but he circles slightly. As soon as he anticipates a kick, he pivots. He'll take some power away. He'll be first. Hey, watch out. Watch out. Okay. Fight. 19 of 19 knees from Bastati Petch. 5 of 5. No one's missed a knee, Joe. Okay. Gotta keep throwing them. But this is a different range now. Yeah. They're staying a little bit further away. Not crashing that distance. I think Petch respected the knees of Tajani. So now he's staying more in what's called mid-range. Ooh, there's a good one. Got underneath that guard. 
Let's see if Petch can level change with that kick. It seems like Petch is going to have to do some damage to the body. That's the only way he can slow Bestati down. Stand up. Yeah, or he's got to go to the leg. Try to mix it upstairs to the head a little bit. But the current strategy of just single body kicks isn't going to be enough for him. Because look at this patience of Tajani just sniping. Patient. Using the what we call the Dutch block to block the, block the body kick. The hands? Yeah, when you bring one arm across. Maybe Petch can land a high kick. There's another body shot. Yep, and now he's going underneath the elbow. That's why it's landing. Yeah, see, so he's taking the kick more on a 45-degree angle. That's why it's getting under the elbow. Johnny seems to be handling them well, but he's not firing back like he was earlier. Yeah, he's trying to set up that right hand, I think. He's patient with it. Oh, side kick from Tijani. You can even see Tijani when you stare at his eyes. They're just so laser focused. He's in the zone. Yeah. And he's not taking any chances. Yeah, he's calculating things in real time. Just so focused. He knows he can't make one mistake against Petch. Johnny being patient on the outside, the nice body shot. See yep. the Petch smile. I mean, he's done a lot of smile in this fight, which means he's been hurt a lot. Exactly. I mean, he's starting to find a little success when he's starting to kick underneath the elbow, just like that. Right there, they're landing. It's hard for to Johnny to block those and counter. So he's making small adjustments, but may not be enough. Round four. Well, Bastati has managed to make this rather easy work. Let's see what the judges have to say about that third round. Tie fighters like the five rounds, though, right? That's the style, try to pick it up. But I just think Tajani has conserved his energy, kept his style, and I don't see him fatiguing. Well, usually Petch does not slow down, but Tajani is forcing the issue. He's never been hit this many times, Joe. That's hard for him now. He's got to think before he comes yeah. inside. Usually he just blasts that kick and makes his way in. You could probably total up the last two or three fights Petch has had. He's been hit more yeah. in this fight, including that right hand. Yeah. I don't even think he's been hit that hard in some of his other fights. aggression from Petch. I know Petch is, is the smaller guy and, and, and not really much of a boxer, but does he need to maybe try and roll in the dice? I, I, I keep saying with, with tie fighters, it's a lot of single kicks or boxing to entrance where kickboxers tend to have a little bit more punch to kick, punch to knee. I just think he needs to set up his kicks a little oh. bit more. Yeah, Petch is taking a lot of shots. Ooh. There was a left hand. Didn't look too bad. He calling a low blow, but Petch is whipping overhands now. Oh, a body shot sends Petch down for the first oh, time in his glory shit. career. Four, he was five, fighting it for a while. Six, 
I thought he was Seven. calling a low blow. Eight. That will Nine. do it. Tejani Bestani is the first fighter to ever stop Petch Pemeron. Wow, man. I'm speechless after that. The way he kind of timed those knees, something we haven't seen. Especially from a knee, from a kick and knee specialist. He had the look of resignation on his face here in the corner, Joe. He looked over to us and he was like, I just couldn't take anymore. Yeah, I mean, it was tough. He knew coming in and he was honest coming in. He's like, I think this fight's 50-50. I mean, the way he came in, the size was just too much. They put it that way. It was just too long to get in, too difficult. The, the bigger big man beat the better little man. Yeah, that was kind of what you predicted of it with going in. Yeah. Well, no shame wow. in for, for chasing glory, as they say. But instead, he found the right hand and a lot of body work from the wonder boy to Johnny Bestani. Even Roman Van Roosman says, hey, still, we haven't had a featherweight and lightweight champion. I'll keep my record. Yeah, he wants it. He wants to keep that record for himself. We'll hear from Bestani when we return to glory. Wow. Um, so, yeah, Petichai versus Bazantin. That, I mean, yeah, Bazantin's size was just too much. I mean, he was the taller, longer, more bigger fighter. And just that, that all-around size was just too much. His size, his length, his height. I mean, you can tell Petichai, you know, he's used to being the taller guy. You can tell he's used to having that advantage in length. And for him to be on the receiving end, being to be the shorter fighter, and then as well as having to be outsized as well as being the shorter fighter, that's that's definitely. I mean, that's a tough. Yeah, that's a tough feat to overcome. And I mean, damn, I didn't think the fight was gonna. I thought the fight was gonna go to a decision. I didn't think he was gonna end on a body shot. Nice body shot too. I mean, damn. Finished Petichai, who hasn't been finished ever. Damn. We saw a different guy in history as someone has knocked out Petch Panamara. Yeah, and I mean, Tajani Bistadi did it perfectly. He kept his composure, kept his distance, used his punches, but it was amazing to see him mix his kicks and his knees and good body shots. You can definitely see Bistadi growing into becoming a great champion. The way he composes himself, picks his strikes, and to do what he did against Petch will be definitely a, a highlight for the rest of his career and it was from a nice front kick there mm. nice long stabbing one Thai fighters are used to these front kicks and he still was able to find it with those long limbs <laughs> he wanted to mm. celebrate but caught himself he felt he was supposed to win this and that he would win this and that he'd be perhaps dominant and indeed he was as the wonder Damn. boy gets his 24th professional win and his 14th year in glory and he did a lot of his damage with those knees he landed 20 of them and if you look at the bodywork 95% accurate which is crazy considering Petch is a smaller fighter Johnny Pistani had a lot more real estate to have to block, but he was landing at will on the Thailand champion. Let's go into the ring now. It's Tim Hughes. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you watched it as it happened. Our referee, Edward Stryker, steps in and waves off this contest with an official time of 1 minute 42 seconds of that fourth round. Declaring your winner by knockout and still lightweight champion of the world, Tejani Bestati, here to present the belt. One of only two fighters to ever hold the belt in two different glory divisions. We welcome Robin Van Roosmalen. All right, I'm here with your winner, and still, that has to feel great for you. How are we feeling? Um, you know, man, I would like to thank everyone here in the audience. It feels amazing, but, you know, we already knew. We already knew. You know, we have been training hard, so we already knew that this would, be a, would have been the outcome, you know? Yeah, you came out, you were composed, picking your shots. Were you surprised by anything in this fight? I'm not surprised. I, I was not surprised, you know? I was so focused. You know, like I said before, if the mind can believe it, I can achieve it. And that's for everyone here in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the stadium, you know. Keep believing in yourself. And one important thing, one important thing, you know. I want to dedicate this fight to my coach, Milton Felter, because his son, his son passed away recently, you know. So this fight was for Gyro, you know, Gyro forever. All right, Tajani, you came into glory at 18 years old. You developed in age, size, maturity, and you're really becoming a good champion on the mic and your skills. Give me your thoughts on your development so far. Um, you know, I I'm very thankful for that. And like you said, you know, I'm getting more mature, more mature each and every time. And I'm really happy that I'm in this position. I'm thankful. And, you know, I got a tremendous team as well. Everyone from Day's Gym here in attendance. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You said a line to us the other day, be humble or get humbled. Yeah. And I mean, you continually get better. What do we see in the future from you? Oh, uh, man, you know, first of all, I'm going to enjoy my well-deserved well -deserved rest because I've been in the gym all day long, you know. So let's see what's next. Let's sit with glory and uh, let's see what's next, man. All right, let's hear it for your winner and still yes. lightweight champion, Tijani Bistadi. And while we have the man in the ring here who held two championships here in glory, let's talk to Robin Van Roosmalen. How does it feel being here in this ring, my man? It must give you some good memories. A lot of good memories. It's weird to stand in my normal clothes, but it feels like home. You just witnessed, you know, Tajani Bastadi winning. Were you surprised? I mean, we talked earlier. You thought Tajani had an edge going in. Yeah, I th like I predicted, I thought uh, Tajani had too much reach. It's too long. And Pets couldn't read him, so it's a good game plan from Tijani. All right, well, let's Robin Van Roosmalen, our former two-division and legend. Let's hear it, Van Roosmalen. Good to see Robin back in a glory ring, even in his street clothes with a smile on his face. Really missed that guy. What a fighter he was. And congratulations, of course, to Tijani Bestati, who picks up, I wouldn't say his best win or maybe I'm wrong here Joe 
as Joe joins us back ringside. Are you even hustling yourself? Yeah. Sweating. I ran down. down here for you. Man, they got you. I just sit here. I don't do anything. I got the easy job. Well, where would you rank this among Tajani's best performances? Well, why I think it's one of his best is because we've seen him really develop into a true champion. We've seen him in other fights and tough ones in the beginning, but he continued to get better his last one against Stoyan. But this was a different fight. He had to kind of sit back, be patient, use his timing a little bit more. So I think to see him fight one way against Stoyan, aggressive boxing, and then all of a sudden play a more technical, strategic fight, that's what makes a champion. The ability to adapt, and he showed it. Six fights, three knockdowns. Let's relive it one more time. Joe, do you have it left in you? I heard Tim Houston's voice is going. Are you going to be able to do it? It's going. It's going slowly, man. But we started off well with some, some big heavyweights. We saw Nabil Kahab really come in there trying to do some work. He had a lot of hype, but... So the, the Frenchman really came in with his self-pod tactics, started chopping away. Yeah, and then it was this big fella here who got the crowd on their feet, Michael Boapea, just lighting up Ertugul by Iraq. What a performance by the Ghanaian. Yeah, he's just aggressive. He's young. He's hungry. He's emotional. And he wants a championship at only 22 years old. And then we saw Nordin Mahadim come down to the light heavyweight division for the first time. And he took on a big, strong Micheletti who found the body, kept going, and got relentless and got himself a, a good unanimous decision win. Almost the finish. And then it was Jay Overmere and Jamie Bates. We thought this might be the fight of the night, and it was good while it lasted. Yeah, I thought it was still fantastic the way Jamie Bates started with his jab. But once Jay Overmere started going, the Matrix, man, he came in there, attacked the body, and looked spectacular. And then it was our co-main event. Tariq Kababes just lit up. Daniel Toledo knocked him out of the ring, in fact. Yeah, tank fashion, calm, aggressive shots, and ended up getting a head kick in the corner through in the towel. We don't see that one very often. And then, of course, our main event, Tajani Bestani, was too tall, too long, too strong. Yeah, I'm going to say too sharp as well. The way he picked this shot, he finished pitch. We never thought that would happen. And with a front kick as well, just spectacular from the young champion who's constantly looking to defend this title. So once again, Glory delivers a fantastic night of fights as Bestati defeats Hetch Panamarong in our main event with a knockout in round number four. All right, UFC fight night, Petrino versus Turkolage. I mean... This was a very frustrating fight. It was a good fight, very competitive back and forth. But for me, it was just very frustrating because, I mean, Petrino was tired. He was gassed. I mean, really gassed. I mean, he, he, it, it Turkolash could have easily capitalized on, you know, Petrino's exhaustion, but just, he just kept making bad decisions. You know, he just kept making bad decisions over and over and over again, which allowed Petrino to just continuously reverse the position, get back on top and, you know, win the fight. I mean, my Lord, it's just I I don't know, man. I just, it, it, you know, and it's just like, you know, and Turkolach was upset that he lost, you know, he but it's like, dude, you were making bad decisions. <laughs> the guy was exhausted. You had him in a position where you could have just. You could have just laid on him and just beat him up for the duration of the round, the duration of the fight. But he just kept falling to his back every time. And it was it was really frustrating. So, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. 
Canetti versus Batista, I mean, man, that was a good good little back and forth. I mean, both had good grappling exchanges, but, you know, Batista, you know, was just better. I mean, did a really good job of just digging that forearm right into the face and of digging that forearm right into the face. And as they went, as they fell back and Canetti looked up at the clock, it was like, it was pretty much... Let's see. Let's look at the replay again. Okay, never mind. He suplexes him. Sorry for missed that part. Yeah, after he he went for a suplex, and as soon as Kennedy looked up to the clock after that suplex, Batista jumped on him just that quick, just snatched up his neck really fast. I mean, it all it took was that one second, and you know it was palm to palm. It wasn't cross armed. So I mean. Kennedy could have gotten out of it, but like I said many times before, once somebody has it, it's either go to sleep or tap out. And, you know, that's what Batista did. I mean, excellent suplex into the rear naked choke. I mean, his grappling is, I mean, his grappling is really impressive. Martinez versus Nurmagomedov. I mean, it was a hell of a fight. I mean, Nurmagomedov was getting the better of him in the beginning, but... Martinez managed to pull through, managed to survive being stopped twice because he got caught in a rear naked choke twice, uh, managed to get out and, you know, just, you know, did a good job and just managed to go forward. You know, he did a good job of landing those leg kicks. He did a good job of working the clinch, you know, throwing those elbows and just he kept putting the pressure. And, you know, Nogomanov just, you know, was slowing down and didn't have an answer. Good fight. Ryan Spann versus Krilov. I mean, this was a great back and forth and grappling exchanges. Just Spann made one crucial mistake. He dove in on his opponent when his opponent pulled guard. And that's something that you never do. Because if you do that, you get yourself caught in a triangle or you get yourself swept. And he just, and that's what he should, he didn't, and that's what he did. And that's exactly what happened. He, he dove in. He dove in after Kurloff was on his back, after Kurloff pulled guard, and he ended up getting caught in a triangle. Instead of clearing the legs or standing back up, he just dove in. And I mean, dang, dang, man. I really wanted I really wanted Span to win that. Uh Volkev versus Romanov. I mean, um, pretty much Romanov went for a takedown, couldn't get it. Volkov, you know, stuffed it, started applying the pressure, caught Romanov on top of the head with a right. Volkov dropped, you know, he shot in for the, you know, he shot in due to the pressure mainly. But um, Volkov just, you know, stuffed it, took his back and just broke him down, just took his time. You know, just kept punching, riding him, punching him, riding him and got the finish. And that's all she wrote. Peter Yan versus Marab. I mean, Marab just pretty much dominated Peter Yan for five rounds straight. And I don't know what was up because going into the fight, you I could you could easily tell that something was up with Peter Yan going into that fight. I don't know if it was all the emotions. I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know if it was the emotions. I don't know if he had an injury. I don't know if he it was a, a, a way that he chose to fight or maybe it was the weight cut. But all I know is going into that fight, he didn't look right. 
You know, he didn't he did not look right. Um, Marab looked very bouncy on his hands. Oh, good. Good job for Marab showing respect after being an asshole. I mean, it, I mean, it was one of the interesting things. I mean, Marab, you know, you can easily see that Marab didn't look like you could easily see that Marab looked right and Peter Yan looked wrong. You know, whenever whenever I see a fighter who's known for when whenever whenever a fighter whenever you see a fighter who's known for being very relaxed and showing like good energy during their walkouts to the fight suddenly go from showing that good energy to you know walking all slow with their head down and you know kind of like you know all slumped and lethargic that's not a good sign that that that's not a good sign at all you know, and seeing both fighters walk out, the first thing I thought was Peter Yan doesn't look right. Something Peter Yan does not look right. Usually when he walks out, he's bouncing up and down. He's showing good energy. He's very loose. He's not, you know, he doesn't plot forward to the cage. This fight, he did that. You know, he was walking very slow. He wasn't showing that energy. He had no bounce to his step. And you know, Marab, he was, he had a lot of good energy. He was bouncing up and down. He was showing the energy. He was, it was like, I mean, to him, it just, it, he was, it looked like just another day. Like it was a sparring session to him. And as soon as, as soon as that happened, the first thing I said, I mean, as soon as he said that it was, as soon as that happened, I was like, this fight's not going to go well. Something is not going to go. This fight is not going to go well. And it didn't. I mean, Peter Young looked very slow. He looked very he, he looked. I mean, he was very slow. He looked like he had no desire to pull the trigger whatsoever. He looked like he had no desire to pull the trigger. He never followed up on combos. I mean, it was just he was very flat footed. You know, that that was also a big tell for me. That. What is he? Hold on. They're saying something. Oh. Oh, he's pretty much pretty much he's just saying that he's gonna wait till Aljo goes up to fight for the title and all that good shit. But whatever. But the point being is is Peter Yan just didn't look right. Like there was something wrong. Like he he just didn't look right. Like I don't know what was really what was up with him. Like it was just like he was very flat-footed. He was very slow. He he didn't really look like he had any desire to pull the trigger and I I really don't know what was up with that. Like it was very weird. Um Whatever those reasons were, whether it be an injury, maybe he just wasn't mentally there. I do know jet lag does play a factor into fights, you know, because he was training in Thailand and, you know, he lives in Russia. He lives in Russia. He trains in Thailand. So I know that's a lot of flying and that's a lot of jet lag, especially if you're flying all the way from Thailand to Las Vegas. So that could have been a part of it, but just he didn't look right walking to the cage and... 
you know, Marab looked, you know, Marab was showing good energy. He was, he had, he had bounce in his step. He was, you know, he was alive. Peter Jan looked dead walking to that cage, you know, you know, Peter Jan, you know, he, he looked dead walking to that cage. He didn't look good at all. Like he, he, Peter Jan looked dead walking to that cage. He didn't look good at all. Like he looked like, he, he looked like he just wasn't there. Like something was off. I, I don't know what it was, but I, I really don't know what was the reason. But definitely, it, it really, but but definitely it played a factor into this fight. Um, the smaller, I didn't take into account also the fact that they were fighting in a smaller cage. One thing I noticed going into that fight was, actually what I noticed throughout all the fights, was... The cage at the, at the, cause they weren't at the apex. They were at the, um, I'll be there in a minute. The, they were at a different venue. They were at, um, well, what used to be the hard rock. Um, now it's the Virgin mobile, you know, casino and you know, it pretty much the cage there looked genuinely smaller. It looked small. And that was one thing I noticed a lot of guys there were certain guys with certain styles that were having, you know, that were actually doing really well because of the advantages of the smaller cage. A good example would be the Nugamenov and the Martinez fight. You know, you know, Nugamenov, you know, couldn't really keep that distance and stop Martinez from closing it. And a lot of that was due to the environment. The environment was really benefiting. And going into this fight with Marab. It, it didn't click in my head, but upon looking at it, you know, I just, re, you know, I'm, I'm rewatching it again, right? As we speak, I'm rewatching it again. As we speak, I'm noticing that that smaller cage really benefited Marab. It allowed him to close the distance whenever Peter Jan was, you know, starting or trying to get going. Whenever Peter Jan would do something, it allowed Marab to close the distance because if it was in a bigger cage, Marab would have had to, you know, do a lot more to cover the distance. But because the cage was smaller, he didn't have to really travel that much to close the distance, to get his strikes going, to implement his wrestling. That small cage really benefited him a lot more than I realized. And like I said, I completely forgot that this is that they were farting. They were farting. <laughs> but I completely forgot that they are fighting in a smaller cage. You know, they, it, it completely slipped my mind and watching this fight, it made me realize that like the smaller cage played a factor, but definitely, um, kudos to Marab. It was a good fight. Um, I guess we'll see, you know, what it's in store for him after these next two Bantamweight fights. I mean, it really sucks because Peter Yan, Peter Yan is really that damn good and I was, I was talking to somebody earlier. It was just like, it's really frustrating when you see fighters who are that damn good, not live up to their potential. And, and I know I'm coming down hard, but it, that's what it seems. That's what it feels like watching Peter Yawn. That that's what it's felt like watching Peter Yawn in his last three fights. It, it feels like he's not living up to the potential that he, he's not living up to the potential that he showed back when he was on a tear and he worked his way up to become champ. That's what it feels like. You know, of course, like I said before, 
you know, now maybe I'm going hard on him. Maybe I'm harping on him too much, but it does feel like that. It, it really does feel like that. It feels like he's not living up to his potential. And, you know, this fight, it, you know, and I said even, and, and the thing is too, is like going into this fight, I said in my breakdown, Peter Yan has a very bad tendency for resting on his laurels. And, you know, we saw that in his last fight with Sugar Sean. And in that fight, you know, and one of the things that when I was watching the promo, when they were going into the main event was Peter Yan said something. He said, I'm a more well-rounded fighter. He is one dimensional. And as soon as he said that, I was like, he's resting on his laurels again. He's resting on his laurels again. He, he's, he's, he's resting on his laurels. Yes, he is extremely well-rounded, and he's got great takedown offense and great takedowns, but he's resting on his laurels again. He's assuming that, you know, he, he's assuming that, you know, because he's more well-rounded, just by default, the wrestling isn't going to have an effect on him the, the, the way that he isn't going to affect on, isn't going to have an effect on him in the fight. And that way of thinking is a terrible way of thinking. You should never go in with the mindset that you should never have that BJ Penn mentality, as I like to call, where just because of this factor, you're just going to win by default. Like it just, it doesn't work like that. But that's what I, but when he said that, that was something that really popped in my head. There was a lot of things that really popped in my head going into this fight and watching this fight. You know, the way Peter Jan looked walking into the cage, the way he was performing, the things that he said. Um, like I said, you know, the, you know, he could have hit, you know, he maybe the emotions got to him and maybe he had an adrenaline dump where, you know, where just because they did have a bit of a scuffle at the weigh-ins, you know, Marab was talking shit and Peter Jan got pissed. And maybe that is, and, and now that I think about it, that could be an Achilles heel to Peter Yan. Because when you think about it, because that, that could be an Achilles heel to Peter Yan. Because when you look at his last three fights, he lost to guys that talked a tremendous amount of shit to him. Al Jermaine talked a lot of shit to him. Sugar Sean talked a lot of shit to him. And every time they got him to react, they, every time they got him to react, whether it be a stare down or at the weigh-ins, that that's usually he always he ends up losing you know he ends and usually when they get him to react at a stare down or at the weigh-ins he get he 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 ends up losing you know he he somehow ends up losing and that's and that was the case in this fight you know as soon as you know as soon as Marab got Peter Yan to to react you know to his trash talk next thing you know he loses the fight so definitely this is something that if there's if there's a weakness in Peter Yan's game it's definitely trash talk trash talking Peter Yan is an effective tool because when you look at all three of these fights the one thing they have in common they all trash talk Peter Yan and they all got him to react whether it be at the stare downs or at the weigh-ins they all got him to react they all got him to react somehow they all got him to do something emotional you know whether it was they all got him to react. They all got him to do something emotional, whether it was at the stare downs or or at the weigh-ins. So definitely if whoever Peter Yan fights next, they're definitely looking at that. They're definitely looking at that and they're definitely and that is definitely something that's going to be used down the line in further fights. There there's guys are going to be trash talking him. They they know now. If you trash talk him, get in his head, get him to react. 
you'll win the fight, you know? So, yeah. Fuck, man. It's just... Damn, man. It, it, it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate when you see somebody that good, you know, have that big of a stumble, you know, three fights in a row. But it's not like he's losing to jobbers, you know? He's losing to good guys, you know? But it just really sucks because... You know, when you see his performances, you, you know how good he is. But definitely, yeah, you know, the cage, the combination of the cage, the trash talk, the fact that he didn't look himself going, the fact that he didn't look himself walking into that octagon, and the fact that he looked very slow and flat-footed throughout the entirety of the fight played into the played into Marab's win. And, you know, Marab took full advantage of it. I guarantee you he knew it. And I guarantee you his corner was telling him about it. Like, he looks slow. He looks flat-footed. Just keep putting it on him. Because that's actually what I would tell my guy. That's exactly what I'd do if I was the one fighting him. If I see that you're slow and flat-footed, I'm, I'm putting it on you. So, um, definitely. Mental, mental warfare is a weakness of Peter Yan. That, that's definitely, if there's anything, that mental warfare is definitely a weakness of Peter Yan. That's a fact. So, but yeah, on to the next UFC London.